Life, life happens with Pimelo Motine. So the Solidarity Fund is committed to the eradication of gender-based violence and as part of its commitment, we continue these ongoing conversations every Monday afternoon discussing topics that will challenge all of us to find solutions towards ending gender-based violence. The hashtag for this conversation is Solidarity for GBV. Fisani Matlangu is Executive Member of the National Shelter Movement of South Africa, joining now on the line. Thank you so much, Fisani. Welcome to the show. Hello, Pamela. How are you? I am well. Thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Fasani, just give us an overview of what the National Shelter Movement of South Africa is. Okay, thanks for having us, uh, Pamela. The National Shelter Movement is a non-profit organization uh, and it focuses on coordinating the issues of sheltering and gender-based violence for abused women and their children in the country. Uh, furthermore, National Shelter Movement uh, also focuses on support, that is supporting the shelters, networking within the sheltering and GPV sector, lobbying and capacity building on GPV and sheltering issues in mm-hmm. the country. And, and let's talk specifically around the work in, in the area and the space of gender-based violence. It's obviously been something that people have been talking about a lot recently, but you say that this is something that you anyway had been um, having engagements in, in the sector for a while. Talk to me about that specific work. Yes, uh, the National Shelter Movement has been in the GPV and the sheltering space for over a decade now. I think that's how old the organization is currently. So we've always been committed to preventing and also assisting those who are already experiencing gender-based violence and sometimes assisting women who need to escape uh, domestic violence to safe spaces. So yes, the National Shelter Movement has always been on the forefront uh, working closely with the Department of Social Development to fight the scourge of gender-based violence in mm. South Africa. And, and it's become quite different, hasn't it? Because you, you do have this gender-based violence issue that you, you're you saying you have been dealing with for over a decade. But now we have been confronted with COVID-19, which has brought its own dynamics to the fore. We know that uh, particularly at the very beginning when there was hard lockdown, there were all sorts of stories coming out of some shelters and how they had themselves become spaces where people were not necessarily getting protection, but were, were spaces where all these other ills were manifested. So tell me about how you've had to navigate these two difficult uh, situations at the same time. It has been hard. I remember the pandemic uh, is a first, I think, in most of our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Most of us were surviving now. So it came at a time when no one expected. So people had to find themselves uh, closed up in their homes. And everyone is at home at the same time. Kids. The mothers, the fathers, we are together in one space, and sometimes you know, in in our in our context in South Africa, sometimes not everyone has the luxury of a big yard or a big house where people can actually be in different spaces at the same time. You know? mm-hmm. We have to be like in closed up spaces, so that also led to families finding themselves in domestic violence situations. And if you, if I can uh, recall very well, during level five of the pandemic, of level five of the lockdown in the country, the National Shelter Movement and uh, its partners, we didn't actually see a rise in calls or in calls for help mm-hmm. by victims reporting GPV or domestic violence. 
but when there was uh, the first opening to say people can actually now move, we saw a number of women uh, reporting. We saw our shelters like filling up very quickly. And these women and their children mostly were seeking safe spaces at that time. So it became a problem because it means during level five, People were locked up in these uh, diff- difficult uh, domestic violence situations, but they didn't know how to escape because the understanding of who and how one can move was also a challenge. However, in some areas where there is SAPS and uh, there is that relationship between the shelters, the community and SAPS, SAPS were still, were still able to assist women in reaching to shelters because shelters were working throughout from, the level, from level five of lockdown. Shelters never closed. They operated full-time. I'm I'm interested in 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 hearing what you're saying about the fact that there were not many calls, but shelters um, were part of the cities, I know specifically in Johannesburg, were part of the city's uh, solutions to a a hard lockdown and they had to take in homeless people and so on, and I'm sure shelters were more overwhelmed with that request. But there were dynamics there. Talk to me about those. One of the dynamics I should already mentioned that I think because uh, the lockdown announcement came like and no one was prepared for it, and it was the first time we were experiencing it, so it left people wondering as to how movement is going to happen, such that you'll find that the way yes yes they're saying the city of Johannesburg shelters were listed as an essential or those are supposed to be the forefront the essential services but even if that was the arrangement or that was communicated, but people at the ground, women at the grassroots level, didn't have that kind of information. So that's why we saw people remaining in their homes, but once there was an announcement that movement at level four, level three was allowed for a brief period, women were able to reach out to shelters because in some instances, you find that some women actually transport themselves, actually take themselves to shelters to report violence. Mm-hmm. In some instances, it is police, some instances, social workers or local uh, community leaders who assist women in getting to shelters. So I think the movement issue was a challenge mm-hmm. during that level of lockdown. Let me take a quick break, Fisani. I also want to just sort out your line. It's not great. I'm going to take calls as well, if you don't mind, for those who, who may be seeking assistance as well, who may be also, you know, seeking some sort of advice, you know, what they can do if they find themselves in that situation. Because just because, you know, we don't have hard lockdown, it doesn't mean that people have stopped experiencing gender-based violence. I was listening to a story earlier about the husband that shot the wife of, 12 bullets in the head and just I mean I ask myself honestly 011-714-2006 as well as WhatsApp and 0614-104107 I'll take your calls as well as questions um, so that you can address whatever gender-based violent questions you you may have for yourself maybe for other loved ones that you may know Life Happens with Pinelo Mutine. Fisani Matlangu is executive member of the National Shelter Movement of South Africa. We've just been talking about the work that they've been doing and specifically focusing on the work that they've been carrying out during this uh, pandemic period of gender-based violence and how they've been assisting uh, women who, who've been coming to them in desperate need. You know, Fisani, you raised such an important point earlier to say just because the need was there, it didn't mean that people reached out or 
automatically. There is still a need for people to know that help is there. So for somebody who is listening, who is not calling, but does need the help, what would you say to them? Fisani? Okay, so obviously I think that line has completely died on us now. Hello. Let me try one more can time. You you? Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. So I was saying, you know, you made such an interesting point earlier when you said that even though the need was great, people did not reach out. And and so there's sometimes that disconnect between the fact that there is a need and people reaching out for help. And I'm saying to those who are listening now, who may still have the need, who have not yet reached out, what would you say to them? There are so many platforms where one can actually uh, report and get assistance from their situation, the domestic violence situation they are facing right now. In some of these, you can actually get help in the comfort of your own home by calling or by SMSing for help. But besides that, um, one can actually go to any nearest police station and report that they are in an abusive situation and they want assistance. They need a safe space to escape to. They can reach out to social workers, any social worker in the country, any social worker, any community leader who's maybe a counselor or someone who is known to be a leader in the community, they can actually direct you to where you can find a safe space. So I will share now the numbers that yeah. one can actually call yes. if they need help. Firstly, I will share the, the, the gender-based violence command center number. That is a toll-free number. It is 0800-428-428. So you are on the ground and you obviously have understood the dynamics of why people don't reach out for help. One of the, you know, maybe one or two of the common reasons why people don't leave, what do they say are the reasons? The reasons are diverse. There are so many countless reasons why people remain in those situations. Firstly, the abuser usually go to an extreme to control the victim, to an extent that the victim will feel helpless and think that there is no help beyond uh, leaving the abusive situation. Sometimes it is issues of child custody. A victim will be thinking, if I leave, I will lose my children. So I will remain in this situation and live with my children. Sometimes it is issues of financial dependency or, or issues of finance. Sometimes it happens that the victim is dependent on the person who's abusing them. As a result, they'll be thinking, if I leave now, how will I survive tomorrow without this person's financial support? Mm. Sometimes it is religious issues. Sometimes it is lack of support from families, friends, and sometimes even the institutions themselves. The woman would maybe would have reached out at first to institutions, and then they were turned down or they were not assisted. Then they'll be thinking, if I leave now, I'll still experience the same. So why should I even bother leaving? I'd rather remain here. So there are so many reasons why victims choose to stay in abusive relationships. Mm. I want to take a quick break so that when we come back, you are able to give details of your specific shelter movement um, numbers because I think there are so many other ways in which people can reach out. I also want to talk to you about how other sectors can assist you, government, private sector, and so on. So I'll be back in a short while. Thank you.
Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. Pisani Matlangu is executive member of the National Shelter Movement of South Africa. We've been speaking about some of the, the work that they do, some of the challenges that they're facing and, and how they have really focused their energies uh, very recently in gender-based violence. Pisani, how, how can other sectors be part of the solution? Government, the private sector and so on. That's a good one, uh, Camilo. Thanks for asking that one. I think the sheltering or the CPV um, problem or the sector, it is one that requires uh, everyone to pull together, to work together. The private sector and uh, some government departments need to come together and work with the Department of Social Development and the National Shelter Movement in trying to find solutions lasting solutions, sustainable solutions to the deep problem that we're facing in the country. Mm-hmm. I'll mention just a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, the Department of Health. You see, we notice that women who come into shelters, yes, they will present domestic violence and gender-based violence is a presenting problem. Mm-hmm. But when we deal with them, now we're not providing counseling as social workers, as those house mothers working with uh, victims. We notice that they are not only affected um, emotionally but mentally and psychologically they are also affected yet shelters don't have many of the shelters don't have psychologists and health workers uh, in-house mm-hmm. a, by, by such we therefore need the department of health to come to the table also and work with shelters in trying to assist women who present such problems and, and currently hand, is that have they responded well to that request uh, currently, we shelters have to rely on referring a woman to a clinic or to a hospital to get that kind of a service. Hmm. Because very few shelters have psychologists in house. Sure. I mean, that's it's quite a concern um, that that they are not reaching out. In terms of social workers, they, how accessible are they to the shelters? Social workers, almost, I would say, not the exact, but I would say 98% of shelters have a social worker in-house. Okay. So the Department of Social Development provides social workers almost to every shelter that exists in the country. Mm-hmm. And for those shelters would not have a, a social worker in-house, there is a Department of uh, Social Development social worker who minds that shelter such that if there is a woman who is reported uh, abuse in that shelter, a DSD social worker is going to be deployed to go and take over that case and work with that woman. Mm. So in terms of social workers, I think that is sorted. Mm. Yes. That, that's very interesting. I mean, so obviously the, 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 the move is to get government to, to support you with um, professional psychologists that will at least assist you in the work that you're trying to do. Yes, not only not only the development health, but also even public works and uh, human settlements. Mm. You find that similar uh, shelters, most shelters are first stage, I'll call them first stage, where a woman reports uh, for safety after escaping domestic violence and mm. DBV. However, there is a period, a maximum period of stay in many shelters. Mm-hmm. In some it is three months and in some it is six months. Mm. After that six months, six months, a woman and their children, they have to exit to where? If there is no housing mm. that is prepared, like called a second stage housing or a third stage housing, where a woman is going to go to, move to, to at least try and rebuild their lives before maybe being able to stand on their own. Because remember, it takes time for one to, to actually maybe get a skill 
be able to do a CV and then try and look for a job. And we know in the context of our country, it is difficult even those who already have qualifications now to get jobs. So a woman who's exiting a shelter will need to at least be at a second stage home or a house where they will be subsidized uh, for their living expenses whilst they're looking for a job to be able to stand on their feet. It's a lot. It really is a lot to deal with. Uh, Fisani, how do people get hold of you? Maybe there's some private sector companies that are listening and maybe they want to reach out and assist. How do they get hold of you? Okay, uh, I'll first say the National Shelter uh, Helpline, mm-hmm. the toll-free number also. We are found on 0800-001-005. We also have got a number of um, cell numbers. The one is 082 58 and for those who want to know more about the National Shelter Movement, they can actually go on onto the website, which is www.nsnsa.org.za. On there, they'll find even our donate page where an individual or a, a company that wants to donate can actually click and then they'll be directed as to how they can donate to the National Shelter Movement. Hmm. That's Fasani Matlangu, the uh, National Shelter Movement of South Africa Executive Member.